Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God commissions and empowers the believer to establish the kingdom and to be a witness for Christ. Today we continue our series called The Presence of God with a message titled The Outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the broadcast. Turn your Bibles, if you have them, with you to Acts chapter 1. Otherwise, you can look up at the screen and we will put Acts chapter 1, verse 4 up there for you. Last week, we talked about the presence of God. And we said that the presence of God is, is experienced by human beings in four ways. And we'll get into those in just a second. But first, we'll go to Acts chapter 8. Yeah, yes, Acts chapter 1. And we'll read these as our, a couple of foundation scriptures, and then we'll get into those four, four items here. But I want you to keep in mind that there are four different ways that people experience God. In the book of Acts, we're told, and being assembled together with them, this is Jesus with his disciples, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait from the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when he had come, therefore, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Judea, excuse me, in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Very important series of things here. The number one, Jesus has risen from this dead and his disciples are in celebration. They are excited because their savior, the man that they followed, their rabbi, he has died. They saw him die. Now they've seen him rise. They are excited. They have the same kind of excitement that any one of us who can think about a loved one that you had that passed away. If three days later you saw them walking around again, how would you feel? What would be the, what would be the feeling on the inside of you if someone who you loved, someone you trusted, someone you were following, they went away from you and then all of a sudden they showed up back on the scene? That's how they were. They were excited. Jesus is back. And they hear from him say, guess what? Now that you've seen me come back, the promise of God is coming. The promise of the Father is coming. You need to go in Jerusalem and wait for the promise. And they're so excited. They say, okay, we'll do whatever you say. But now, Jesus, is this now the time that you are going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Because they had been under rule politically of the Roman government. So they had known as, young, as Israelites, they're raised up in Jewish schools and they're taught about the great kings of Israel. And they heard about David and they heard about Solomon. They heard about Jeroboam and they heard about Jehoshaphat and they heard about Zerubbabel and all these great kings of Israel and Judah. And they now live under Roman rule. So the first question they have for Jesus is, now is this the time? You're going to politically come and set us free. And Jesus' response is so amazing. And it's the cornerstone of this series that we're doing right now about the presence of God. 
Therefore, when they had come together, this is verse six, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know. In other words, you're asking me the wrong question. Of all the things you should be asking me, seeing me raised from the dead, seeing me come back, you're so excited about me rising from the dead, you're asking me the wrong question. You're asking about politics. (laughs) It's not for you to know. But, verse 8, you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. In other words, I have just shown you that everything I said when I was walking around was true by rising from the dead. Now, I want you to know that you're going to receive power when the same Spirit that raised me from the dead comes upon you. And this is where the church must discover the real truth. The real truth being the church has to discover that God is not sitting in heaven waiting for a time for him to come and fix our troubles. (laughs) God has sent his spirit into the world and empowered people to be able to fix that which is broken. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm here, full of God, to fix what's broken. Amen. Turn real quick to Jeremiah chapter 2. How come we can't fix stuff? Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. Jeremiah 2, verse 13 says, for my people have committed two evils. Number one evil is they've forsaken me. In other words, if you want to know what's wrong with people, it's number one, that people have forsaken God. Who is God? He's the fountain of living water. And number two, they have hewn or crafted or shaped for themselves cisterns. A cistern is a large, if you will, container. At this time, they built these containers out of clay. And they would build these great containers in order to catch rainwater. And as rainwater would come out down, they would have a supply or somewhere to catch rainwater and be able to, to use the water as it's then stored. So instead of keeping God as the fountain in their regular supply, they chose to build their own cisterns, broken cisterns. God said not only did they build them, they didn't build them well. They broke them. They were broken cisterns. I work for a water company. And one of the things that I recently I have known since I started working there is that there's basically five types of pipe in the ground. There's PVC pipe, which is a plastic pipe. You're familiar with that. But they have large-scale PVC, more rigid and more durable. They have variations of that PVC that have different types of coatings and different types of in. They have cast iron pipes, which are, again, steel pipes that are what we're used to seeing, crafted from cast iron. Those were used maybe 100 years ago, and there's some of them still in the ground. There's concrete pipes, which are crafted concrete coated with something on the inside so that your water flows through it and the concrete just goes through there. And then the last two are things you wouldn't think about. They're wooden pipes. Wooden pipes. Red wood wooden pipes built and crafted in the ground. They have two different kinds of them. So those are five different kinds. Redwood pipes. Wooden pipes for your water to travel through in the ground. 
That's amazing, isn't it? But guess what? We build with whatever we have. And so modern technology, now we have plastic PVC. Thanks to the discovery of plastic. Before there was plastic, we had concrete. Before we had concrete, we had steel. Before we had steel, we had wood. And they built pipes out of wood. How long do you think a wooden pipe lasts? Depends on what kind of wood, right? Redwood is a hard wood. But I got a redwood post in my backyard that's only been there for 20 years and it's doing not well. (laughs) It's getting ready to come down. So this passage says that God's people forsook God and then they started building with low quality parts. See, when man tries to separate himself from God, we start building with things that don't last. We start building with things that don't have foundation, that they they, they can't sustain themselves because they were never designed to do that. Wood was designed by God to grow as a tree. We found ways to use it for other things. But trees are there to breathe carbon dioxide so and put out oxygen so we have a fresh environment. That's why a tree exists. But we start chopping trees down and burning them up and doing all kinds of other things. Why? Because we just figured out how to do something with what we have. So what I want you to understand here is that sometimes when we don't want God in certain areas of our lives, we find something else to build with. So when I was a young man, before I knew God, I tried to build my life on a whole lot of things. And I found those things had no substance whatsoever. Praise the Lord, I found out fast. (laughs) I was a little more aggressive than most people when it came to doing stupid stuff. So I found out really fast certain things didn't work for me. Amen? But there's two different things. There's number one, there's a rejection of God. Number two, there is the issue of trying to do things on our own. Real quickly, let's go to one more foundation scripture and I want to get you where I want to get you today. And that is John chapter 37, excuse me, John chapter 7, verse 7, 37 through 39. Now we just read in Ezekiel that God said, I am the fountain of living water. And Jesus, when he's talking to the disciples, he's standing out in a square speaking to people during a feast And he screams out on the last great day of the feast. Jesus stood out and cried saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Verse 39. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not glorified couple of important things. He said, anybody thirst, come to me. What? (laughs) What do you got to drink? I have living water. Earlier on, he had told the woman at the well, if you had asked me for water, I would have told you and given you living water. So this reference to living water over and over again, what is it? It's a reference to the spirit of God, that the spirit comes to quench the thirst of life. 
The Holy Spirit is given to us in order to satisfy us like water satisfies us. It is there to be given to us so that when we are thirsting, that we come to Jesus and he gives us his spirit in order to truly satisfy our life. When I was young and I was playing sports, we'd be out and having to run and you'd have some big hard time where you're pushing hard and you're pushing hard and you're sweating and you're tired and you're feeling bad. And then they say, water break. (laughs) And you see guys, everybody's running to get that water. Why? Because once you've built up a thirst, you've got to quench it. Once that thirst is built up, it has to be quenched because if it doesn't be, if it's not quenched, you can't take it. But there's certain things in life that we're thirsting after and the answer is the Holy Spirit. When we don't want it to be the Holy Spirit, sometimes we want it to be just stuff. Some things we're quenching and we're, we're thirsting after in life and we, oh, I don't know why I'm thirsty. Have you ever got, have you ever woke up in the middle of the night and felt hungry? And you know you ate well last night? Why am I hungry right now? What is it? And you go to the refrigerator and everything you look at in the refrigerator does not ring a bell with you. And you close the refrigerator. You know what's going on? You're dehydrated. You're not hungry, you're thirsty. But your body's interpreting as hunger. But it's actually thirst. That's why nothing edible looks good because it's not what you're after. And see, that's the way your life works spiritually. There are spiritual hungers that we have that they look like something else. They look like a desire, or they look like a a frustration, or they look like other things, but they're actually spiritual thirst, where your spirit is actually crying for something to satisfy. Your spirit is crying for something to actually quench it. And when you try to quench it with other stuff, it doesn't work. And we're not quenched. We're not fully satisfied. Praise the Lord for the bottle. <laughs> I think I'll take a drink right now, as a matter of fact. So there are four ways that people experience God. We talked about this last week, and then we'll get into the big thing today. Four ways. Number one is the presence of God. We know that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. Everywhere all the time. God is omnipresent, right? So Everybody in the world experiences the presence of God on the level of his omnipresence. Everybody does. And when I was an atheist, I was experiencing the presence of God. And I didn't want to experience the presence of God because I didn't believe he was there. But in the meantime, I'm breathing air. In the meantime, I'm sustaining life. In the meantime, I'm I'm operating by some kind of life force that's somewhere, but I don't want to believe it's God. So the first thing is the omnipresence of God. We experience, everybody experiences that. The second is the manifestation of God. A manifestation of God occurs when God chooses to reveal himself in some kind of way that is not attached to a person, but just God shows up somewhere. And in the Bible, we see recorded several things in in which God appears in a place and somebody walks into the appearance of God, even when God didn't invite them. God just showed up. 
Number three is a visitation from God. And this is what most Christians are used to, is a visitation from God. In other words, some way we spiritually sense or hear from God. God speaks to us in some kind of way. God registers with us. We may be reading the Bible one day and all of a sudden uh, it feels like, you, like the word is speaking to you. Or you might be praying one day and you just, wow, I, I sense something. And you feel your senses, but it's usually sense-based when it occurs. In the Bible also we see that Moses saw, number one, a manifestation of God, a burning bush. A bush is out burning and Moses sees it from a distance and has to go see about it. So he walks up to the bush and the bush says, take off your shoes. <laughs> You're standing on holy ground. So it went from being a manifestation to a visitation where God speaks to Moses. So much so he had to tell him, this is holy ground you're standing on. And then the fourth way is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. God reveals himself to us through his indwelling spirit. Now, this is what is so important to understand about this. Sometimes we are forgetful that God lives with the Christian. (laughs) Sometimes as Christians, we are forgetful that God actually dwells with us. If you think about every religion on the planet, the thing that differentiates Christianity from all other things are two things. Number one is the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Number two, most people forget about, it is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. I thought y'all be excited about that, but that's okay. The two things that make Christianity different from anything else is not only the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, it's the fact that he said, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to send my spirit to be in you. My spirit will be in you. He will be with you. And if we don't embrace the reality of the indwelling Holy Spirit, we will not fully experience God as he desires to be experienced. My friend, a uh, friend of mine, married this lady. <laughs> and they were married for a couple of years and they, and they split up. <laughs> and I ran into him one day. He said, man, so-and-so, do you know she's doing, she's singing, she's out here. I said, I didn't know she could sing. He said, I didn't know she could sing either. I said, man, you was married to her? You don't know she can sing? <laughs> I said, man, she, you, you was married to her and you didn't know she could sing? And not only sing, she could sing, sing. <laughs> what? You can be with somebody and still not experience all that they are if you don't seek it. See, the Holy Spirit has been brought to us, given to us, residing in us, but you still got to seek him, not to find him out there, but to find out about him, who he is in your life, what he's doing, what he's, why did, why did God send you to be here? Ask God, God, why did you send the spirit here to me? And then God will start telling you, he's there to strengthen you. He's there to quicken you. He's there to speak to you. He's there to regenerate your spirit. He's there to make your spirit alive, quicken you with might. He's there to get your inner man strong. He's there for a whole lot of reasons. But you might be in the house with him 
and not know he can sing. Somebody say amen. Amen. (laughs) All right, let's get to this. Okay, John chapter 14, verse 23. John chapter 14, verse 23. They're sitting at the table. They're talking to Jesus. And they ask him, how are you going to reveal yourself to the, us and not to the whole world? How is it we, we're going to know who you are and the whole world is not going to know? And Jesus says in verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come and make what? Our home with him. God's promise is that when you get into his word, he's going to come make his home home with you. I was sharing with them before, before church this morning when we were praying, I was sharing with the team, I was saying this past week I had like a weight on me. I was experiencing a heaviness and I was struggling with this heaviness and I realized I just told these people about the presence of the Lord. Wait a minute. <laughs> why, am I, why am I under this weight right now? And the Lord said to me as I'm praying, he just said, Because you pushed, now something's pushing back. You you pushed off to freedom, so now something's pushing back at you. And we had just been teaching this in our class on Wednesday nights. And the Lord said, you're experiencing what you've been teaching, now you know what to do. So I had to get myself back in position and recognize First is revelation. God revealed what the problem was, and now I have to take it past just what I know to activate what I know to do. What do I know to do when I feel heaviness? God says, take the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You put on the garment of praise. You start to worship God. You start to praise God. You start to give God his praise. And you don't necessarily have to give God praise in songs, but you can give God praise by declaring the word. Father, you're good and your mercy endures forever. Sometimes you can just, when you feel heavy, just grab the book of Psalms and open it up and just turn the page anywhere and start reading. How often have they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert? Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power. The day when they redeemed, he redeemed them from the enemy. He has worked mighty signs in their presence and their God shall do great and mighty things. I just opened the Bible and it just said it. I just opened up to a psalm and the psalm said, their God shall mighty and shall do great things among them. What? If you're feeling down, you can get your Bible out and start declaring what it says and what will God do. God will meet you in that place. And just assure I just flip this open. I guarantee you, I got lots of tabs in my Bible and that ain't one of them. His word will strengthen you. It will put praise in your mouth. Praise that you can begin to declare and say. We live in a world that wants to put lots of things in your mind, lots of things in your heart. 
And so you've got to guard your heart with all diligence to make sure that you still have the right meditations, that you have the right meditations, that you're meditating on the fact that God is with you. God's presence is with you. See, if I was, if I was going to buy a house and I went to the bank and I got to the bank and my friend was sitting at the desk. And he said, oh, Derry, good to see you, man. What's going on? Need to buy a house. He said, man, he would say, man, I'm going to take care of you. If he's a friend of mine, he'll say, I will take care of you. And he will do extra research and find whatever he can find for me because of a relationship. Amen. If you go to your doctor, you are sick and you're sitting in the waiting room with 45 other people. If the doctor, you know, walks in the door and locks eyes as you go, what are you doing here? Come on, come here. He will prefer you over other people in the waiting room. Why? Because of your relationship. If you go to the car dealership and your hoopty is puffing black smoke and a friend of yours is standing there and sees, he works at the dealership, man, you can't drive that. Let me fix you up, man. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much will your father who's with you give to you? Amen. See, we believe a relationship works in terms of how we relate to people. But guess what? God said, I'm coming to live with you. I want to relate to you as a person who's coming to dwell with you. I don't want to treat you like a stranger. I don't want you begging, crawling across the floor, pleading with God to show up. When God says, I'm here, I'm with you. And sometimes we believe that tribulation or trouble or challenge is something that indicates that God is not with us. No, it indicates that God is with you. Amen? All right, let's talk about this spirit. I want you to understand how valuable the Holy Spirit is. Ezekiel chapter 36. Tell your neighbor, say, the spirit is essential. Ezekiel chapter 36, and we're going to go to verse 24, Ezekiel 6 and 24, excuse me, Ezekiel 36, 24, God says, this is how valuable it is. In the Old Testament, every now and then, the Holy Spirit would descend on a person, empower them for something, and it would lift and go away. That was the Old Testament model. Here's what Ezekiel says. Ezekiel heals from God and God says, for I will take take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle you with clean water and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness, from your unrighteousness, from your idols, I will give you a new heart and put what? Put a new spirit in you. I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to put you in a new land. And I'm going to clean you up and give you a new spirit. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27. I will what? 
put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. He said, I'm going to give you my spirit. See, when I, when I was young and I grew up around church, I always thought to myself, I can't do that. I'm, I, can't, I can't fathom how people, quote, live holy. And then when I was an atheist, one of my friend's mothers was talking to me one day. She said, baby, when are you going to come to church? I said, miss so-and-so, I can't come to church. <laughs> I said, number one, I don't believe there's a God. And number two, if I did believe there's a God, I can't live by all the rules you all got. I cannot live by all those rules. I can't do it. But then when I gave my life to the Lord and the Holy Spirit came upon me, all of a sudden, I didn't even have to try to not live a certain way. I just lived how God directed me to live and other things just fell off. I'd even tell people now, stop trying to worry about what you can't do and just figure out what can you do. <laughs> Lord, what would you have me to do? When you start taking one step at a time, then God just sets you free from a whole bunch of stuff. And one step at a time, you keep realizing, man, I left a whole bunch of things behind me. Why? Because grace is sufficient. He said, I'm going to give you my spirit. Go to Ezekiel, turn, turn uh, verse 37, chapter 37, verse 14. Take a look over there. So first thing he said, I'm going to put a new heart in you, my spirit in you, and cleanse you. The next thing he says in verse 14, I will put my spirit in you, and you will what? You're going to live. And I will place you in your own land. Once again, not only am I going to put my spirit in you, but I'm going to put you in your own land. There's something about the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you recognize that he's on you, every place you go, you think you own the place. I'm, I'm really serious. You, you start walking around recognizing you have shared ownership with God. And you go to different things and you experience things and you don't take the back seat of a bunch of things. There's a lot of places I went to before and I would take the back seat. I don't take back seats anymore. Because why? Because when I go, God sends me there. If God says, you take the back seat, then I'll take the back seat. But otherwise, I go in expecting that God's going to give me favor and give me access. Why? Because when I read here, it says, I'm going to put my spirit in you and give you your own land. I'm going to give you your own space. We think of land in terms of real estate, but land is what God told Joshua, wherever the soles of your feet set, that land I give to you. I give you whatever land I put you on. Where I put you, I put you there for favor. And I don't have to own something to have favor there. Amen? I want you to, I want you to in, really receive what I'm telling you. You shall know then that I, the Lord, have spoken it and what? Performed it. You're going to know that God has done it and he's performed it. He spoke it with his mouth and then he did what he said. Amen? Amen. Come on, I need some energy from y'all. Amen? Amen? There you go. I knew there was some more juice in this place. Come on. Joel chapter 2. Take a look at Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. 
This is so powerful. Most people haven't read it from Joel. They've read it from Acts. They read it in the book of Acts, not realizing that Peter quoted this passage from Joel chapter 2, verse 28. When you get there, say amen. If you ain't there, look at the screen. Amen. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will what? Pour out my spirit where? Mm-mm. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall what? They shall prophesy. What does prophesy mean? Prophesy means to speak under the inspiration of God. I shared with you last week that when we were in a difficult challenge, I was in a really bad space and my three-year-old prophesied to me. My three-year-old heard a word from God. Why did he hear from God? He heard from God because God promised he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. So instead of getting mad at my kids talking to me when I'm frustrated, I had to listen to what he said. And he spoke an answer to me. He spoke a Holy Spirit answer to me. A Holy Spirit answer to me. Why? Because the word says your sons and daughters are going to prophesy to you. Your sons and daughters will speak things to you. Your sons and daughters, they were their children, when they're little ones. God will pour out his spirit on their flesh and they will speak life to their parents. Oh, man, I'm, I haven't found the wrong crowd today. Come on. Joel is saying that when the Spirit of God comes, not only is he going to get on you, he's going to get on your kids. And your kids will start prophesying back to you, reminding you what God said. Because when you're a parent and you are struggling and you got... Ta- Look, I was making $62 a week with two kids. And my three-year-old had to prophesy to me because I was losing heart. Yes, I love God. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but that don't mean I'm not losing heart here. That don't mean I'm not in a difficult place here. Not mean that I got weights and pressures on me. I need God to speak. He said, guess what? I'm going to make your child prophesy to you. Because God, I live with you and I can make your child talk to you. When you think you can't hear from me, I'll make somebody who can hear from me, your child who don't have all these pressures on them, I'll let him prophesy to you. (laughs) Come on, y'all. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. I'm going to get my spirit so so powerful in your house that your kids going to have to speak anointed under the power of God to to you and to anybody else. (laughs) Your old men are going to dream dreams. When people start getting to the end of life, they stop dreaming. He said, nope, when my spirit shows up, when you get old, I'm going to still make you dream about tomorrow instead of thinking about when you're going to the dirt bath. You ain't going there. You're going to dream dreams when you're an old man. Come on, I'm talking to reality here. Come on. Your old men going to dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. They'll see visions of other things. Come on. 
<laughs> I'm just going to let it marinate. Also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour on my spirit in those days. You know what men servants and maid servants are? They're the people who aren't celebrities. Y'all know about church celebrities? Church celebrities, the people that we, we, we call the celebrities. The people we put up high on church and we go, those are the church celebrities and then there's the rest of us who just live in life. He said, nope. Not only am I prophesying to the people, y'all want to make somebody special, I'm going to come talk to the men servants and the women servants, the people who are just sitting around, the people who are working behind the scenes, the people who are just hanging, just around the church. Then I'm going to speak to all of them. I'm going to pour out my spirit on them like I pour out my spirit on the others because I don't know anybody. I'm no respecter of persons. (laughs) I will pour out my spirit He said, I'll release the gifts of the Spirit. They'll prophesy. They'll speak anointed under God's abilities. They'll have words of wisdom, words of knowledge, supernatural things will pour out of all of them. (laughs) Go to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Tell your neighbor, the Spirit is with me. So we just read Old Testament prophets prophesying about the Spirit to come. And this is John the Baptist. John the Baptist is in the New Testament, but he's under the Old Covenant. Amen? The Pharisees are watching John the Baptist. And they're impressed by the fact that people are coming from all around to hear his preaching. And he's baptizing people one after one. They're lining up. And the Pharisees have to come see because all these people are going to be baptized. And in the Jewish religion, there is no baptism. So baptism is brand new when John the Baptist is doing it. Why he's called John the Baptist because it was something that hadn't been done before. Amen. So here he is preaching baptizing, and they're all impressed. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And and he says this, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to strap on. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. (laughs) John the Baptist said, I'm baptizing you to repentance, and you guys are all excited. He said, but there's something else coming. Somebody's coming after me who's preferred before me. Somebody I'm not even worthy to carry his shoes. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Listen, if God sent prophets to prophesy about the Holy Spirit 300 years before it came, and God sent John the Baptist, who's the predecessor, announcing Jesus' coming, with this understanding of the presence of God coming to live with men, how well do we value what we've received? 
How well do we value the presence of God in our lives? See, when I was going through this pressure, I'm looking for an answer, and the Lord's saying, you're forgetting I'm sitting next to you. You're forgetting that I'm right here. You're forgetting that the pressures you're trying to get out of, I'm right here with you. How many of y'all got pressures in life right now? Here we go. Yes. We got pressures. We have real pressures. But what I want us to understand is that the Spirit doesn't come to help you with just spiritual stuff. He comes to bring answers to natural things you need help with. The things that you need, God said, I'm going to be with you to give you answers, to deal with your challenges, with your issues. When you feel by yourself, when you feel alone, when you feel like nobody else understands you, I'll be with you. Look at what Jesus has to say. Go to, uh, go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. See, when I was going through the worst pressures of my life, and there have been series of pressures through life, when I went through the pressures of my life, the one thing that got me through those pressures was understanding that the Holy Spirit was not there just to spiritually be with me, but he was actually there to show me how to move through what I was in. See, as long as Christianity is a religion, we don't get the benefit of God's relationship with us. See, as long as Christianity is just a religion that we practice on certain days, it doesn't work when you have to deal with issues because we still are trying to build our own cisterns and make things work for ourselves. Rather than say, you know what? I got the fountain of living water with me and you know what? We're going to get out of this. I have the fountain of water. God is the life. Water's life. And when I got the fountain in me, that means nothing is going to stop me from doing what I got to do. That's when Christianity breaks the shell of religion and it starts to become a way that you live. It starts to become a power that's available to you. It starts to become what can pour out of you when you get into your worst times and seasons. The Holy Spirit helped me get through grad school. When I graduated from high school, my parents wouldn't, my parents wouldn't let me go to the public school. They said, you, no, you, no, no. <laughs> they put me in a school and I tried to get out of the school. I tried to flunk out of the school. I took my, I totally, I went in the whole ninth grade, I took my hands off the wheel. I'm trying to get out of this school so I can go where I want to go. <laughs> school I want to go to, I want to go there, and the only way I can go there is get out of here. So I'm going to flunk out of ninth grade. I deliberately tried to flunk out of ninth grade. And the dean, of, on the last day of the ninth grade, the dean brought me to his office. He said, do you know you have more detention to this school than any other person here? I said, yes, because me and you sat face to face almost every day after school. I tried to get out of that school. I couldn't get out because God had authored something different for me. God knows your steps. 
And even when you don't know God is there, God's omnipresent and he's still there. Even when he's not indwelling you, he's still there. I wanted to get out. But God said, no, I have a plan for you. And it includes you going here. And then I'm going to offer that you go here. And then I'm going to offer that you go there. And so I messed up so bad in school that by the time I was ready to go to college, I set up such bad habits. First year of college, I was doing fine. Then I found out what was on the other side of the campus. <laughs> it went downhill. When I, kept, when I stayed next to the math, math department, I was fine. And then when I discovered what was on the other side of the campus, went downhill. Because there's a way that seems right to people, but then there's God's authoring. And then there's when God's spirit comes upon you and he changes you. So when I set up all these bad habits, when I went back to school, then all of a sudden, now I have the Holy Spirit. And I went through college and grad school, and it didn't even feel like a weight. It didn't even feel like a pressure. Because when I went back, I went back with the Spirit. See, when I went on my own, I was struggling because... I can't reconcile how to do work and have a good time at the same time. (laughs) And I was more inclined that life was about having a good time than about doing work. Amen? Amen. Listen, when you get connected to the Holy Spirit and you start acknowledging the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, when you start acknowledging his presence, the revelation is going to start hitting that he'll work you through everything. He'll work you through every single thing. He will work you through every single item, every challenge that you get into. The Holy Spirit is there to help you through it. When you can't find other people to help you, the Spirit of God is right there to help you. And when you cry out, he will be there for you. When you get in the worst times and situations and challenges, if your body is not acting right, the Spirit will be there with you. If your mind is not acting right, the spirit will be there with you. He will be there no matter what. Amen. All right, let's close with this. John chapter 20. We're going to begin verse 21. Once again, the the disciples are all celebrating. They're all excited because Jesus has come back from the dead. They joyfully seeked his resurrection. And now in the middle of their celebration, Jesus gives them both a commission and empowers them. And this is what he says to them. Verse 21, Jesus said to them, peace be to you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. Tell your neighbor, say, the Spirit's here to give you purpose. As the Father sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Going to give you purpose and then he's going to breathe on them and give them the Spirit. What did he breathe on them? The same action is recorded in the book of Genesis when God created Adam and Eve. It said that he then, when he formed Adam from the ground, he breathed on Adam And 
Adam became a living soul. He breathed the breath of life into him. What is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit has come to give you life. To give you life. See, I'm, I'm telling you this because as Christians, we are entering a season where the world wants to see your power. And we keep trying to show them our power. <laughs> they want to see your power and you try to show them your power, except you aren't the power. <laughs> we keep trying to show the world power and you're not the power. That's why we can't show them anything because they're not impressed with your power because they got the same power you got. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Receive ye the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive a new kind of power. A new kind of power. And look what, what it starts with. Verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Listen. First power you got with the Holy Spirit, the first power of presence of the Holy Spirit is forgiveness. You want, to see the, you want to see the Lord start working in your life? Let the power of forgiveness start operating, not by your mind, but by the Spirit. When the power of forgiveness starts operating in your spirit, the supernatural will start taking place around you. Because there are people who you haven't been able to communicate with or get along with. When the spirit of forgiveness is in there, you'll start breaking chains. You'll start breaking things. And it won't be with them first. It'll be with other people first. <laughs> See, we sometimes want forgiveness to be about how we interact with this person who we're not getting along with. But when you start to forgive that person, God opens doors for you in other places. So that when you start to prosper, that person starts to recognize, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> and God's favor will unite and bring us back together. But it all begins with the presence of God. Amen. Amen. Listen, here's what I want you to take away from this. Don't sell short the presence of God in your life. But the best presence of God is the indwelling presence of God, which you only get when you say yes to Jesus and Jesus breathes on you and you receive the Holy Spirit. So you can experience God's presence just because you're a human being. You can see his, feel his omnipresence. You can go places and, and just have a spiritual feeling. You can walk into a church and there's an anointing there. And you walk in and you feel the anointing of, of God because God's presence is there. But even more valuable than that is when you can sense the presence of God when you're by yourself. And you're just sitting there and the spirit of God is in you. And you start worshiping and you start feeling his presence. And you start reading your Bible and his presence is registering because it's not coming from the outside. It's coming, it's coming from the inside. And when that happens to you, that's when your life starts to go into a new dimension. And you start to now walk in places and get the favor of God working for you. And you start to become the believer that people know a Christian before you ever tell them that you are. Because the presence starts to speak for you. I had somebody I went to pray for. I asked them, I said, you mind if I pray for you? And they said, no, no, go ahead. And so I prayed for them. And in surprise, they said, I felt something. 
I said, yeah, you did. <laughs> You're supposed to feel something. <laughs> no, I felt something. Yes, you felt something. Because <laughs> God is with me. And when I pray for you, he might get on you. <laughs> he might get on you. Hallelujah. Why? Because he's with me. And if he's with me, then if I touch you, he's with you. <laughs> See, this is what we're talking about. The indwelling presence of God is how do we believe? What do we believe about God? Because without faith, it's impossible to be pleasing to God. But God wants us to believe that his word is true and that his spirit is actually with us. And when you get in your hard place of life, or when people call you with things that seem like they're too hard to deal with, that you just sit back and say, Father, give me a word of encouragement for them. Give me something to say to them, to encourage them, to build them up. Person that works in my office had just had a loved one pass away. And guess what? I don't know what to say, but I know what? When I show up, I'm going to know what to do. <laughs> I may not have the words to say over the phone or by text, but you know what? When I get in their presence, the Holy Spirit will tell me exactly what to do. Why? Because I expect him to because he's with me. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. The way he sent me, that's how I sent you. What, how did he send Jesus? He said, I send you as lambs among wolves. Go out there. Don't be afraid. <laughs> You're going to see wolves everywhere you go, but guess what? They can't eat you because their teeth can't cut God. <laughs> their teeth can't break this. Come on, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you to something great calling you to be what God's called you to be. I want you to be what God wants you to be. I want you to have the spirit in you such a way that you, you can handle anything, that you prosper wherever you plant it. I have a confidence that wherever I'm planted, I can prosper. Not because of me, not because I know anything anybody else does, but I believe God will show me stuff when I get into situations because he's always with me. If I need to do anything, I believe I can do it. Not because I'm smart, but because God can show me what I need to know. Because he's with me. I can do anything. Guess what? You need to say it. I can do anything. I can do anything. And if things get difficult, don't run. Pray. Talk to the Father. When things get hard, don't run. Talk to God. Let God speak to you and give you an answer and know that he's with you in it. My family history, and we'll, we'll pray after this. My family history is this. When I did my genealogy, I could, on my father's side of the family, I couldn't find one man who stayed married any long period of time. A problem, down the generations. I've been married for 30 years, but it's not because of me. <laughs> not because of me. I made enough mistakes not to be married. But the Spirit, the Spirit, He's with us. And he's working with us. And when we get in difficult times, my first time, the first time we ever got into kind of a friction, 
six months into marriage. I ran to the room, got my little duffel bag. I started putting my little stuff in my bag. And I'm going to run. I'm going to run. I said, I got my bag. I'm going to run. I'm out of here. I'm going to go. I've got a duffel bag, y'all. That's, I, don't have no, I don't own a suitcase. I got a duffel bag. I got my duffel bag, puffed it, got it. I got it. Man, I can't even zip the top. I got all my stuff in there. But the spirit said, no, 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 no. I got a plan. Now, I could have run. And if I ran, I would have, quote, been free. Except I wouldn't have been free. I would just move my bondage from one place to another. But I, I didn't run. I stayed. And now, 30 years later, God's still working. Almost 31. God's working. Why? Because his presence was with me and said, don't run. If you don't run, I can help you get an answer. If you don't run, I can speak to you and show you what to do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence. We thank you for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. We thank you right, right now that Jesus breathed on his disciples and told them to receive the Holy Spirit. We thank you that Ezekiel and Joel, they prophesied about the new spirit that was going to come. They prophesied that our children would prophesy to us. And they prophesied that no matter what our age, we'll see visions and dreams. And they spoke to us that you would give us a land of our own and that you'd be with us. Lord, we thank you right now that we are the inheritors of that spirit that people before Christ could not receive. And we thank you that in Christ we have been made sufficient, that we have received the promise of the Father, and we give you praise and glory for the work that you're doing in us. I thank you that everyone here had the ear to hear and that, that not only have they heard now, but Holy Spirit, you continue to speak to them as they leave this place today. Continue to show them that you want to be near. It's your desire not to expose them, but to heal them. So we thank you and give you glory and praise for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Would everybody stand to your feet, please? Today's message was titled, The Outpouring of the Holy Spirit, from our series titled, The Presence of God. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at alwc.us. On our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church, and the events calendar, and your other messages that may be of interest to you. Once again, the site is alwc.us. You can also find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.